This is The Bouquet Toss, a wedding planning podcast brought to you by TheBudgetSavvyBride.com to help you decide what to keep and what to toss from your wedding day plans. Welcome back to The Bouquet Toss. Even if you're working with a small budget to plan your wedding, you'll probably bring in professionals to help with at least some aspects of your big day. Our next few episodes are going to cover some of the major ones that are typically involved in most wedding days, starting with photography. One of the most important vendors you're likely to consider is a photographer, and perhaps a videographer, to capture your day and help you preserve those memories for years to come. When it comes to wedding vendors, photographers tend to come in at the top of nearly every couple's list of priorities. And it makes sense. After your wedding day, the memories captured by your photographer will be precious to you and your spouse. They're one of the only tangible take-homes after the wedding day that you'll keep throughout your marriage and potentially pass down to future generations. Your photos will serve as visual reminders to you and your spouse of the love and emotions you shared on your special day. Choosing the right photographer at a budget you can afford can be a tough task. Photographers typically get booked up to a year or more in advance, so you'll want to start your search as soon as possible to give yourself the best chance of securing your top choice. This is also more important than ever in a post-pandemic landscape. So true. As always, we have some great tips and advice to share with you to navigate this step of the process, so let's dive in. First, I want to just start off with some savvy wedding vendor tips, which this applies to all vendors, right? We are going to take a particular look from the photographer lens today, um, but these are things to keep in mind just in general when you're looking at booking wedding vendors. I just have to pause and clap for that pun through the photographer lens. (laughs) Wait, I didn't even realize. I was like, why is she smiling like that? Because I'm a dork and I love a pun. <laughs> that was awesome. Okay, so. I'm so proud. I think I'm, have, I'm having like a proud moment. <laughs> I do love a pun too, so I'm surprised I didn't catch it. And it wasn't on purpose. You're a natural. Yes. Okay, so savvy wedding vendor tip number one, know who to book early. Yeah, and photographers are definitely one of the things, like we mentioned, they tend to book up a year or more in advance, especially for those really sought after artists who do a fantastic job in your local area. One reason why photographers and videographers are important to book early is because they can only perform one wedding per day. So that's the reason why they're more likely to get booked further in advance. Great. So number two, don't waste their time or yours. This can be tricky because, you know, my advice is to try to get rate information, pricing information from the vendors before setting up meetings to meet with these people in person, because there's no point in meeting with them only to find out you can't afford their services. But more often than not, a lot of vendors aren't putting their pricing information on their actual websites, which is frustrating for couples, right? Right. One of the biggest, I think, issues with the wedding industry right now is the lack of cost transparency for couples when it comes to trying to book these services. And so it's one thing that we've got like at the top of our list when it comes to the features of our still upcoming wedding directory. (laughs) Um, But we really hope to be able to share that information so that it helps save time on both the vendor side and the couple side. Yeah. And do you think that this is one of those things where like if the photographer hasn't put their rates out publicly, are they try like are they expecting the couple to offer 
a range of like what they're willing to pay. Is that kind of what goes on? Most vendors have their pricing set, but I think, you know, with inflation or like different maybe peak or off peak pricing info, it might just be easier for them to give a quote specifically for a couple on a particular date or something like that, depending on their availability or, you know, the season that they're getting married. And so I also think maybe some vendors want the flexibility to change their rates at any given point. And so if they don't have, you know, the technical know-how or whatever to like be updating their websites all the time, sometimes I think that's a factor as well, but Mm -hmm. it's hard to know. And it's, it's definitely a sales and marketing tactic that is promoted very heavily within the wedding vendor industry from things that I've seen. I just think it's misguided because trying to convince a couple to spend more than they can realistically afford is not a good look in my opinion. And all the more reason for you to start right at the top with figuring out relatively what percentage of the full budget you want to spend on each thing. So you can go in and you can say, okay, you know, maybe 12% of my overall budget or somewhere around there is going to be for photography. You'll have an ideal number in place. So you won't be as likely to be like coerced into spending more because you fell in love with their look or whatever it is. You can go in ahead and say like, here's what I've budgeted. Can you meet this? Mm-hmm. And yeah, and we'll we'll have some more tips for like ways you could potentially negotiate some things, but I never want anyone to think that we don't think that wedding vendors are worth what they're asking for and what they're charging. But realistically, as a couple, you know, if you have, you know, your priorities for your financial goals and your future beyond the wedding day, which is very important, and you really want to stick to a certain budget for the wedding itself, you have to make hard decisions and you will be able to find someone within the budget that you have. This is not to say that even if you were to approach a photographer and learn their rates are higher than maybe you wanted them to be, that it wouldn't be worth it. If it's in, you know, if that's one of your priorities and that's a splurge you want to choose, these people are professionals. They're going to do, you know, the best job for you. So that could absolutely be worth it, but it's, you know, it's something to think ahead about. Yeah. And, you know, we've talked about like the budget breakdown and like what the typical percentages are. And that's probably what you'll use to figure out like about what you would want to spend on each of these vendors. But at the end of the day, if it is your priority, like we have so many different ideas for ways you can cut in other areas to make room for that splurge or that priority item. So, you know, rest assured, we'll we'll get it all figured out. <laughs> Preach. So number three, ask friends, family, and other brides and grooms for recommendations. Yeah, I think it's always a good idea to c- consult, you know, with your friends or family, especially people who had a wedding of a similar style and budget to what you're considering. If you have examples of those in your life, you know, ask them for their recommendations. If you really loved their photos, find out who their photographer was. I think a personal testimonial or review is really valuable, you know, if somebody had a really great experience. Yeah, it not only like makes you feel better because you have like a firsthand account of what the services are that you're expecting, but also it makes the photographer feel really good to have been recommended. You know, they'll have even that much more familiarity with you because your friend or your family use them too. Like it's just, 
community. Keeping it all in the family. Yeah. (laughs) And so number four is to think outside the box. This one I particularly like because we're in a point where like, I mean, just look at your phone. Like the camera on your phone is professional at this point. So there are people around you potentially that are professional level, but maybe it's not their like full-time business, you know, something like that. I also think being open to somebody who's just started, you could be unknowingly using like the next big wedding superstar photographer, but you got in at the beginning of their career for an amazing price. And especially if your budget is extra tight, you should feel confident exploring. Yeah, I think it definitely depends, obviously, on like your priorities and your budget, especially if you're working with a really tight amount and you are super concerned about potentially going over budget. It's an option to consider. It's something to explore. I always think that hiring a true professional is obviously going to yield the best results, but you can find people who have had a little bit of experience maybe as a second shooter, but haven't gone fully on their own yet. They do have experience working a wedding day. They know about the flow and all of that stuff. I think there are things that you can do to ensure that the person you are picking isn't just a person with a camera who's never shot a wedding before. There's a lot of like questions that you'll want to ask to cover all your bases. And no matter if someone is a professional who's been doing this for a decade or somebody who's doing their first you know, few weddings, having a contract in place, having those legal bases covered is super important, but can ultimately like yield savings if you're lucky enough to find somebody. Yeah. So that leads directly to number five, which is to get everything in writing. Again, this is for every single vendor that you're going to hire or service that you're going to pay for in relation to your wedding, specifically, obviously with photographers, like a big thing that has come up in recent times is what's the cancellation policy? You know, if they are booked up for a whole year and then something happens on your date, what happens? Um, So really like not being afraid to A, read the fine print of your contract, but also B, not be afraid to ask for like a specific list of deliverables from these people or ask for any specific verbiage that you want to be included in the contract if maybe it's not written the way that feels the clearest to you. Like being very thorough, knowing their cancellation policy, knowing, you know, what happens, God forbid, is is just so important. Yes, totally 100%. And I think another thing to keep an eye out for when it comes to photography contracts in particular is deliverable deadlines. So I see so many brides, especially on TikTok, they're like, my wedding was 90 days ago, we still don't have like a gallery of images. And so getting some sort of written timeline of when you can expect those final deliverables So you know what to expect, I think, is super important. And then also gives you like legal recourse if they don't meet those deadlines, because that is a legally binding contract. Yep. So if you're just getting started trying to find a wedding photographer, what are some good ways to start the process? Obviously, like Google is your friend. (laughs) Searching, you know, wedding photography or wedding photographer with your city name you know, attending local bridal expos is also um, an option. You know, you can also get like great deals at those events. A lot of vendors who participate in bridal expos will offer discounts if you book same day, which 
you know, if you do some pre-research, find out the vendors who are going to be exhibiting at those expos ahead of time, and you're interested in them particularly, then that can be like a great savvy way to get a little bit of a discount. Um, and Instagram has become like a huge resource for couples looking for their vendors, kind of the same practice that you would take with Google. You can use the hashtag like your city wedding photographer. Um, so like hashtag Miami wedding photographer and find people who come up, view their portfolio. The great thing about social media is it, I mean, their Instagram profile is essentially a portfolio that's updating on a regular basis. So that's a great way to get a feel for a photographer's work. And you'll be able to find people that have been tagged in the photos or that have tagged them. And that's customers that you can reach out to and get a firsthand testimonial like, hey, what was it like working with this person? Yeah, exactly. Another aspect of wedding photography that you might be considering, it's very popular at many weddings, is a photo booth. This can be something that you can DIY or you can hire a pro, but if you're on a budget, we have a great resource for you. It's called Pixelated. It's an all-in-one photo booth to make and capture amazing memories from your wedding reception. You can check out all their different options for photo booth rentals. It's self-service. It can be set up in just a few minutes straight from the box and it's a rental, so they ship it to you. You use it, party, get your photo booth action on. It's completely wireless and can run for up to eight hours on rechargeable batteries, so you don't have to worry about being close to a power outlet. It also has a built-in light so you don't need external lighting. It's simple, it's savvy, it's stress-free, all things that we love. Listeners of the Bouquet Toss can save 15% on any photo booth rental from Pixelated with our savvy code, which is the Bouquet Toss. You can visit Pixelated, which is spelled P-I-X-I-L-A-T-E-D.com and use code the Bouquet Toss at checkout to save 15%. So savvy. So, you know, you're mentioning how to turn on the discovery channel for finding a photographer, right? But once you have all these options, then what? How do you know beyond price what photographer is right for your wedding? Yeah, I mean, obviously, you know, if budget's a concern, that's going to be a big one. But think about the photography styles you like, like the, the photos that you've seen of your friends' weddings, of your family's weddings, you know, images that you've seen on Instagram or like in our real wedding section, like what are the styles that you tend to feel most drawn to? Is it like light and airy or is it like dark and moody? There are photographers who have styles that run the gamut from more boho to like classic, timeless to, you know, the more moody, dark, romantic vibe. And so you know, you and your partner should look at these portfolios, look at examples together and decide like what style are you most drawn to, I think is a big one for sure. Another style that I've recently seen that I never thought about before is editorial, mm -hmm. where people are like, actually, you know, the preference is make my wedding look like it's in a magazine. Yep. And I think it's just cool to think about that your photographer's style actually contributes to that in addition to any of the decor or the venue or anything that you're picking. And so it's kind of like a team effort to get the overall look that you want. Absolutely. I think it just would be helpful to think about it that way. 
It's so true. And that's such a good point because some people do want the very traditional posed family photos, very typical wedding album style of photos, but other people want more candids, more like documentarian style where you're not looking at the camera at every photo, but they're literally just capturing the authentic moments happening at your wedding. And so I do think that's a really, really great point and distinction to make when it comes to photography styles. Yeah, definitely. Um, Another thing that's super important is personality. You know, at a certain point, once you find out that the photographers you're interested in, you know, find the ones that are within your budget and choose to set up meetings with them, you're going to want to see how you vibe with that person. Like, do you get along? Is it awkward? Do you feel comfortable around them? Do they make you feel relaxed or on edge? You know, you want to have someone with you on your wedding day that makes you feel comfortable and relaxed and happy. And you honestly probably won't know until you meet them in person. Yeah, I think it's very important, especially if you're not somebody who's always in front of a camera or even behind a camera. Like if you're not somebody that's constantly taking pictures and having your mindset in that place, it can be hard to all of a sudden show up on one day and be like, oh, I am professional camera ready. Like that is not, you know, no amount of makeup, no amount of beauty, no amount of styling can put you into that place. So I also think that it's very important to have conversations with your photographer, just about like tips maybe they can provide or, you know, I think it's always also great. A lot of people choose to do like an engagement shoot with the photographer they're choosing. And it's also a little bit of like a trial, you know, you can get to have a feel for what it's like working with them. The comfortability that you will then have with this person on the day of who's capturing all of these intimate amazing moments is just so much higher if you've already like worked with them you've already been around them you already have a rapport otherwise it's kind of like this nice stranger is involved in like the most intimate parts of my day like that's kind of weird yes a thousand percent totally recommend using you know, the same photographer for your engagement photos as your wedding, because it does give you like a trial run prior to the big day. So that relieves, I think, a lot of the stress and nerves and and all of that too. So super important. Yeah, I think that also like does imply that you have budget for an engagement shoot. So if you are not wanting to budget that into your overall budget, but still have some sort of pre-experience with your photographer, talk to them about it see what they're willing to do, see, you know, even like just hanging out with them for half an hour on FaceTime might give you a little bit more feeling of being comfortable. We're going to get into this a little bit later, but there's specific um, shots that you should have as like a list. So you're prepared and you know, like, okay, I know I want to walk away from this day having a picture of this person and this person. So you have to communicate that right to your photographer. Maybe you ask them if you can talk through that with them in like a way that you can kind of get comfortable with them. Like just open the communication. You don't have to be beholden to having to spend more money to feel comfortable with this person. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if the pandemic taught us anything, it's that like Zoom meetings are really easy to schedule. (laughs) So uh, take advantage of all of those, you know, potential opportunities to spend time getting to know and talking those things through. So another thing to consider when deciding what's important to you when it comes to wedding photography is how many hours of coverage do you think you'll actually need? A lot of people 
think they need someone for 12 hours on the day. They don't want to miss a single moment of what's happening. But to be honest, there's a lot of things that you think it would be nice to have a photographer there for that, you know, those those photos aren't going to get hung on your wall. Like the drunken dance party photos aren't going to be hanging on the wall in your home for years to come. Most likely the getting ready photos also aren't going to make an appearance anywhere other than maybe your wedding album. So is that really a priority? If you can find a photographer who will, you know, show up for a shorter number of hours, it can be a great way to save money um, because a lot of times photographers will have an hourly rate. So that's something that you could consider in like calculating the cost Of course, every photographer is different. They price their services any number of different ways. So you're going to have to ask. But if you can find someone who does offer an hourly rate or a shorter package for maybe a six-hour coverage versus an eight or a 10, then that could be a way to reduce the overall cost. Love that. Another thing, another little savvy trick for this to make it possible to have like a shorter number of hours while getting all the shots that you want for that wedding album is to stage your wedding exit. So I think we talked about this when we had Megan Lane Gras on about adventure elopements, but she shared this savvy tip with us that so many couples are doing basically a fake wedding exit to get like their sparkler photo or their bubbles photo of the couple leaving. But they do that kind of in, in the middle of the reception so that the photographer can hit the road and the couple can save a couple of hours of that photography coverage where it would really just be photos of people on the dance floor or sitting at tables eating. Yeah. Another benefit to that is that you have less drunk people holding sparklers and less accidents can happen. <laughs> fair point. Fair point. I love that. So something that we've brought up a bunch over this conversation already is specific photos you're going to want for your album. And that's something that you definitely need to find out, you know, in advance what your photographer includes, because it's not necessarily intuitive that you get a printed photo album of your wedding included in the price. That could be an additional thing and and as well as prints or anything like that. And I also think like you can look at it the other way. If there is a photographer who has built this into their price, but it's maybe not something you want to do through them, because there are so many ways to print things, you know, there may be an actual budget saver in there by not doing it through them. So ahead of time, being able to ask, is this included? And and if it is, like, is there a way that we can take it out and adjust the price? Right. Or take it out and add an extra hour of coverage or, you know, it never hurts to ask these things. If you don't want to get the album through the photographer, it doesn't ever hurt to ask. And same thing goes for prints. I am curious, and we're not going to have the answer right now, but I'm curious for a statistic on how many couples are still getting those printed albums. There's going to be a day sometime in the future where they're just going to be digital. Yeah. I've actually seen some really cool products online and on TikTok. I've seen a few brides share that they basically create a book with a little screen in it that goes through like a slideshow of the wedding day. And that's essentially the album. It's not even printed, which is crazy to think about, but we live in a digital age. So Mm -hmm. it really depends on like what matters to you and like what type of wedding album you want to have forever. But I'm a big fan of like 
finding a photographer who you can just pay for their services on the day of, they provide you with the digital files, the photos, and then you can then budget separately after the wedding day for things like the album or canvas prints or photo prints or whatever it is that you want because it does help take so much pressure off adding that cost into the overall wedding day budget. And this is a good thing to potentially include on a registry so that it's like a gift from people. Um, Yeah, such a great idea. And your first wedding anniversary traditional gift is paper. So why not wait for your first wedding anniversary to pay for the wedding album? Great idea. Let's normalize that. (laughs) Let's make that a tradition that's modern and well-known and observed. There you go. (laughs) Okay, so... All of this said about the photographer, but what about the videographer? I feel like this is a huge thing for couples that they go back and forth on, not sure if they need it, if they want it, if they should spend the money on it. Will they sit down and watch the video ever? I mean, I think there are couples who sit down on their wedding anniversary every year and watch it. So it's such a personal decision. But, you know, the one thing that you we can say is that you can't ever go back and recreate it. So if you think maybe you do want it, but maybe hiring a professional is not quite in the budget, maybe there's a way to do this kind of in a DIY type of way. Can you talk about that? Oh, yeah, there absolutely is. And I will say, I think it's so special, so meaningful. You cannot, like you said, replicate those moments. So to have them captured on film I think so important, but I totally understand that it's not feasible financially for a lot of people, especially because nowadays there's truly like cinematic style quality wedding videos with drones and everything else that literally looks like a movie trailer, but you don't need to hire a pro to, to get the same effect and the same impact of the feeling you get from rewatching those moments of you and your spouse exchanging your vows. So one option I really love to recommend is a company called Wedit. And they have basically a package where you can rent several, you know, three to five different cameras. And they're basically like iPod touches, which shoot 1080p video, which is all you need. And you can give them to different guests. You can set them up on tripods. You can get multiple angles. And then you send them back to them. And they'll even edit the video into a final wedding film for you, a highlight reel or like a longer extended version. And it's way more affordable than hiring professionals to be there on the day of shooting everything and doing all the cinematic wizardry. Yeah, genius idea, first of all. Second, I also think it's a nice thing to consider because then you don't have somebody walking around with like a huge camera on their shoulder, like getting all up close to you. You're just like, I'm trying to dance with my dad, but here's this huge camera next to me. You know, there's, these are ways that you can do it. It's so much more discreet. It's not, you know, invasive and you're still going to get a recording of you know, those special moments. Yeah, especially if you have like access to five, three to five different cameras, you could give those to certain people who can capture different key moments that you find important to you or that you definitely want to capture. And so there's definitely options to do this yourself. And even if you don't use a service, 
you know, like wet it, you could still do this on your own with phones that you use personally and set some people to take care of like filming those important moments. Even literally all you need, if all you care about is just the ceremony and you guys exchanging your vows, I just can't express like how special that is to have on film. And like you said, like to watch it on your anniversary or to go back to it and remind yourselves why you took this crazy leap into getting married when you're fighting about stupid stuff. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I also think that you can think about the video stuff the same way you think about your shot list. So the, you know, you'll, we'll, we're going to go through all of these, but like, you know, there's specific things, you know, you're going to want to get right. Like first kiss and a cake cutting photo and all of those things. You can do that with video too. And you can assign it to different people to get it for you. So if you really want obviously ceremony, great idea. Maybe you want your and the entrance, right? The grand entrance is really important to you. Okay, you have somebody that's filming just that. That's what they're in charge of. They won't mess it up because they have one little thing. And then you don't necessarily need the next 30 minutes of people just kind of like eating or walking around or whatever it is. But then you know, okay, I really want my maid of honor speech to be recorded. So that's an item on your list. Absolutely. I also have seen like some mounts that you can add to like a DSLR camera where you could put like the phone or like the iPod touch like on top of the photographer's camera obviously you'd want to run it by them first to make sure they're comfortable with that but it could be an interesting way to get some videos while they're taking photos anyway it's like behind the scenes kind of interesting yeah and then you have content right away you don't have to wait <laughs> it's all about the content yeah and so for anybody who's interested in exploring wet it as an option we do have a savvy code for you to save you some money some extra money so you can actually save fifty dollars on any of their diy wedding packages with the code savvy at checkout amazing thank you wet it yeah they're awesome awesome guys they're based out of michigan so in addition to figuring out, you know, what style you want, how you want to vibe with your photographer, there's other questions you want to make sure to ask them, whether it's a newbie photographer, a seasoned professional, anyone, things around like what's in, exactly included in the package, what forms of payment they accept, how many edited photos you can expect. So we have a full list of all of these questions that you should ask in the Budget Savvy Wedding Planner and Organizer. So make sure to check that out. We also have um, a similar blog post on the blog, which we can include in the show notes that has some of those important questions as well. So you can make sure you're asking all the right stuff. That sound means it's time for Wedding Watch, a segment of the Bouquet Talks where we discuss iconic wedding moments from our favorite TV shows and movies. If you want to hit pause and watch the clip we're talking about today, head to our Wedding Watch playlist on YouTube. The link is in the show notes. This week's Wedding Watch is The Bold Type. I loved this show so mm, much. Me too. So specifically, the wedding that we're talking about is Sutton and Richard. And I feel like we have to preface right away with saying, like, the character Richard is really rich. Yes. <laughs> He's a lot of money. So it's very hard to look at this and be like, what's the savviest thing? You know, how is this savvy? It, it's hard to even look at it that way because money was, like, really not an issue for this couple. But what I do think is that 
the way that everything plays out through their wedding, like what happens right before and then their vows and everything like that teaches us something really valuable about the way that a marriage is constantly going to form and change and grow between two people. And they, they just show that in a really, really beautiful way that I think is like reason enough to watch it. Yes, 100%. Um, I mean, on the savviness factor, they did it at a bar. They basically like reorganized and decorated a bar. Granted, with the magic of Hollywood TV set design, <laughs> it's definitely beautiful. I mean, there's tons of florals. There's a really elaborate aisle runner with greenery and candles. And they really went all out with the space. But I love that they used a non-traditional space that's not typically a wedding venue. Such a good thing to point out and such a savvy tip, definitely. Um, another thing was that it was very like low frills in terms of no wedding party, you know, even though the whole show is about like Sutton and her best friends, it showed that like she didn't need them to be wearing the same dress and standing next to her to have it be meaningful. So I thought that was great. And then also the efficient was someone that works at the magazine with both of them that also was like a super meaningful person. So also a savvy thing to consider. Yes. Who got ordained online. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Which if you're looking for a, a place to get assistance with learning how to officiate weddings online, there's a great resource that we work with called American Marriage Ministries, which I definitely recommend checking out. Pro tip. Sliding <laughs> that in. Yeah, yeah. So I think that like, we'll just give a little bit of context to anybody listening to this that is either going to pause right now and go watch or is not going to and we're just going to give them the idea. So basically what you need to know is that right before the wedding, Sutton is offered her dream job. However, they had just decided as a couple that they were going to move to San Francisco, I think. Yes. So literally, like we're talking minutes before, it's like all this goes down and Sutton is like, wait, I have to follow my career dream. And that would be to stay in New York and take this promotion and, you know, be the stylist that I want to be. But like my husband is pursuing this thing in San Francisco. On the other and, side of the country. <laughs> yeah. And so she thinks that he's going to like cancel it all. He's going to shut it down. She's literally like, do we send everyone home? Because they're sitting there waiting <laughs> for her to walk down the aisle. And what we end up seeing is that Richard just stepped outside because he needed like a minute to think to collect himself. But in the end, he wants to be able to support her dreams as well as his. And so he wants to make it work no matter where they need to be. What ends up happening because of this is Sutton is at the head of the aisle. And Richard is the one who ends up walking down the aisle. Also, he's role like... Role reversal. <laughs> right? Role reversal. I love that they did that. Why is this not something we all consider doing? Why not? And... It's extra funny because he's like walking behind the flower girl. <laughs> he's like, uh, okay, let's go. Um, but I also really love their vows. Yes. I don't know that I've heard or that like I recall hearing that specific ending that they used. That's like, and with this ring, something, something, I marry you. I but marry it's like, you. it's so, I loved that. That was really nice. And I loved that they did their own vows completely with their personalities. They got chuckles from their guests. Very heartfelt. 
Yeah, I loved that. I also loved the little kind of intro from The Efficient where he talked about the line was like, true love brings us here today, a love that spans a continent, a love that withstands obstacles, a love that we all aspire to have. I thought that was like really sweet because obviously the path for them forward at this time, knowing that they're going to be living on opposite coasts and they're still choosing to be together. I just thought that was like really nice. So, so nice. So beautiful. So definitely, if you haven't seen it, worth it to binge the entire series just to see this because they're like really quick 20 minute episodes and we love it. Um, But either way, just watching this clip alone is such a great reminder of what marriage actually means, what love means. Definitely a good one to watch. Yeah. And I think you can definitely take some savvy, like style inspiration away from the way that they did their ceremony as well. You could recreate the look on whatever budget you got. Some little twinkly lights and greenery and candles, like doesn't have to be over the top. Fantastic. And that concludes our weekly wedding watch. Want to hear us chat about one of your favorite scenes? DM us on Instagram and let us know what we need to watch and chat about on future episodes. So to close out, I want to talk about this wedding photos list that I've been mentioning throughout this episode. Again, these exist in the Budget Savvy Wedding Planner and Organizer as well, but we want to go through just some of the things to think about um, when you're creating you know, this list on the day. It's such an important thing, and most of your photographers are physically going to ask you to provide this list to them so that they have a working document that they can go through throughout the day. They can be like, did I get this? Check. Did I not get this? I have to somehow find grandma and Aunt Sue and make sure I get them together and get, you know, get these things done. So, of course, formal portraits are going to be a thing that you're going to want to get. You know, the bride with their parents, grandparents, groom with the parents and grandparents, just kind of like the mix of anybody you want to get together. And then also your wedding party portraits. Um, I want to also add, especially if you've listened to our episode about the wedding party itself, this isn't something that you are excluded from if you don't have a wedding party, right? If there are people that you're like, I want portraits with these people, but they're not technically my bridesmaids, they make it on the list. You tell the photographer who they are, you kind of like point them out and you make sure that it happens. Yeah. One thing I also love to recommend to all couples is to get individual photos of you with each wedding party member. So like you and each of your bridesmaids or your partner and each of their groomsmen, whatever the case is, because those make really great gifts that you can give after the wedding to each of those wedding party members as a thank you and a memory of the fact that they stood next to you on that special day. Brilliant idea. And then also it gives you a photo for that person's birthday to post on social media every time it comes around. (laughs) Right? So smart. Think ahead. Yeah. (laughs) Um, So another thing to consider for this list is the details, your accessories, flowers, shoes. But these are things you actually have to be very specific about with the photographer because you, you maybe you put in like tons of effort into planning the jewelry that you were wearing or the bouquets and you want to make sure that you get those photos the photographer doesn't know this the back story behind it they might kind of just kind of sweep by it or they might get like one or two shots but not what you were dreaming of when you like first picked that detail so 
nothing is like too little to be able to explain to them like, hey, this is really important to me because of XYZ. Let's make sure we get it. Yeah. And that helps to tell kind of like a richer story throughout like your wedding album. If that detail was important to you and you picked it out because of some sort of like family significance or some sort of meaningful memory for you, you're probably going to want that photo in your wedding album. So making sure that your photographer knows about all those important little odds and ends is a good idea for sure. Yeah. And so then the same thing goes for ceremony details and reception details. Always make sure to get the location both with people in it and without. You put so much hard work into figuring out those details. You want to be able to see them clearly. Yeah, chances are you might not even see, you know, your reception space or your ceremony space before people descend upon it, before you enter down the aisle or before you enter your reception space. So this has taken, you know, months, potentially years of planning in some cases. So you want to make sure that you get to see the results of all the work and planning that went into the day. Absolutely. Such a great piece of advice. And then the same goes for those specific moments that you want to have in your ceremony and reception. You might be doing some really personal things that the photographer has never seen a couple do before. So giving them the heads up to know that like, hey, we're doing this, we really want to get this captured. It's just like the best way to make sure that everything you want is going to happen. Like they can't be mind readers, unfortunately. Yeah, absolutely. So that was a preliminary list of wedding shots that you might want to get. Um, This is like the perfect excuse for any of your scrolling Pinterest or Instagram, getting the inspiration from other couples who got some like really awesome photos. You're going to see someone's really creative bridal party shot and be like, oh, I want that. Let's make sure that goes in. You know, this I think is a great excuse for all of that doom scrolling. (laughs) Um, (laughs) You're like, oh, no, this actually has a purpose because I'm trying to figure out which photos I want. So wedding shot list is a really good thing to prioritize, um, not to be confused with alcohol shots because uh, we don't want that to be too long on the wedding day because then you won't remember any of it. But regardless, all of this stuff is super helpful advice. Um, Again, we have more details like this in the Budget Savvy Wedding Planner and Organizer, as well as right on the blog. We're going to link a couple of really relevant, awesome articles from the blog that talk specifically about choosing the right photographer and how to work out all those details. So make sure you check that out in the show notes, and we'll be back soon with a new episode. Yay! You've been listening to The Bouquet Toss a podcast brought to you by The Budget Savvy Bride. We would love for you to join us in our free private community to get support and inspiration from other couples currently planning their weddings too. Consider the bouquet tossed in your direction so you can rate, review, and subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast app. As always, stay savvy and stay tuned for our next episode. Hello, and welcome to Novel Conversations, a podcast about the world's greatest stories. I'm your host, Frank Lavallo, and for each episode of Novel Conversations, I talk to two readers about one book, and together, we summarize the story for you. We introduce you to the characters, we tell you what happens to them, and we read from the book along the way. So if you love hearing a good story, you're in the right place. Our ninth season is coming this fall. Tune in to hear from some of the all-time great authors, Charles Dickens, Jules Verne, F. Scott Fitzgerald, and more. 
subscribe to Novel Conversations wherever you listen to podcasts.